Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is most certainly true. Jesus is alive and death is dead. His tomb is empty and our hearts are full. His promises are fulfilled. The victory has been won. Easter brings fullness and life and joy and meaning and hope into our lives and brings them in fullest measure. Our songs of Alleluia will never end. Join us to worship our risen Lord with this Easter sermon recently delivered at Grace. The first reading from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4. Jesus is the only way to heaven. This is the basis for the sermon today. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The Word of the Lord. I know this is controversial, perhaps even fighting words for some. At the very least, plenty will consider it to be unpopular, politically incorrect, and perhaps even worthy of scorn and disdain. But I'm going to say it anyway. I am not a fan of the bumper sticker that spells out coexist using symbols of Islam, Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity, and Wicca, which happens to be paganism and the occult. If it is displayed to promote that people who are living near each other should be living at peace with each other in spite of differing religious views, fine. But, but if it is an attempt to proclaim that all religions are pretty much the same and they all are different paths to the same goal, that's not true. Of course, when I'm driving my car and I see that bumper sticker, I won't have an opportunity to talk to the person who's driving. But what if I do? What if you do? What if you're at the DOT or on a plane and sitting next to a nice person and starting a nice chat with that person and you notice they have these series of symbols coexist on their shirt? And what if our youth confirmands who will publicly proclaim their allegiance to Jesus in the next worship service, what if our youth confirmands go off to college and it's not Martin Luther College where they're studying to be a Lutheran staff minister, teacher, or pastor. Though we certainly pray that many will be considering that. But what if they go to a different college 
and they run into a classmate who has coexist with those symbols on their laptop. It's wrong to assume motives. And you would ask first what that means for them, wouldn't you? And if perhaps they say, well, that they're sick and tired of oppression and persecution because of differences in religion, understandable. But if they go down the path of all religions are the same, then you have just landed in Athens with the Apostle Paul in his meeting with the brainiacs and philosophers there 2,000 years ago. And then, like the Apostle Paul, you would likely want to begin by agreeing with them that everybody knows there's some kind of higher power out there. And then also, like the Apostle Paul, you would want to be kind and compassionate and gentle and respectful and ask them to tell their story, how they came to believe what they do, which opens the door for sharing our story about who this higher power really is and what he has done so that human beings can hang out with him and be loved and fulfilled and happy all their days and forever. Without that story, human beings would be facing finding the path to happiness on their own, which is always going to lose, end up in frustration or emptiness or guilt or fear. But God came up with a way, the way, to make that happen, to make it happen for human beings to have happiness forever. And there's no other way. How about if you started a new job and when you arrived you were ushered to a computer and told, get at it. Wouldn't you want to ask, what am I supposed to do? You would need someone, right? Someone who is going to tell you, do this or do that. You would need some standards, some guidelines so that you would know what to do. And if you got someone to communicate that to you and carried out some projects, whatever they may be, then if they didn't turn out to be exactly perfect, exactly how the manager or supervisor wanted them, it's very unlikely that you'd get fired on the spot. You'd probably be given a second chance, right? But now let's consider God's standards. Since everyone is born knowing that there is some supreme being out there to whom we are accountable, it is logical and common sense to figure out that this higher power, this supreme being, is going to need to find a way to communicate what it takes to get on his good side and stay there. And he did. He is not some distant foggy phantom or, or silent statue. He is the living, loving God who has communicated to human beings, to us, through the Bible. The shocking reality is that the Bible makes it very clear that God's standards are far higher than anyone could ever imagine. And God 
does not give second chances or wink at minor infractions. Sin is sin. And if you end up facing God with even one violation, one sin on your account, you are below God's standards and you will be stoking the fires of hell. That's why Peter and John reveled in the relief offered by the Redeemer. Peter proclaimed to the religious leaders who had hauled him and the other apostles in front of them, he proclaimed, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, they had healed him, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. Those people knew Jesus of Nazareth. They had seen him and watched him operate. Could anyone find fault with Jesus? Could anyone accuse him of dirty dealing or harboring hatred or purveying some kind of error or sin or prejudice? No. Even though they rejected him, no, they had to admit that no one could find fault with Jesus. He had matched up to God's standards perfectly. Here's the miracle. It's the first piece in our testimony about who God is and what he is really like, what he has really done. God considers Jesus' perfect life to be yours and mine. How about that? When we stand before God, on the last day, before his throne, we got nothing to be embarrassed about because Jesus' rightness covers our wrongness. When explaining to someone what it takes to get a close relationship with the only higher power there is, just simply state the truth. There is no other way to match up to God's standards. Now, if you're at some kind of new job and you're carrying out the tasks, but something goes wrong and the solution to fix it would be, mean somebody's going to have to work overtime, who do you think that somebody is going to have to be? It will probably be you. If you violate God's standards, even in one little way, one little white lie, one little demeaning comment that hurts somebody's feelings, one little defiance of the parent's wishes, one little sneak peek at a phone if you're a student in school to get answers for a test when you're not supposed to have your phone. Anger to get back at someone who has hurt you. One little way, somebody's going to have to pay for that. And that somebody would be you or it would be I. Thanks be to God we're never going to have to make that payment. That's why Peter and John reveled in the relief that came from the Redeemer. Peter stood before the religious leaders who had hauled him and others into court and said, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, then know this, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified. They had killed the Lord of glory. They executed him. The fabulous and incredible message of that 
is that by that very death, their own sins were being forgiven. This worship service today is all about the exclusive message of Christianity. Jesus is the only way to heaven. But Christianity is also completely inclusive because he paid that penalty for sins, not just for a few, but for the sins of the whole world. Here's the miracle. It's the second piece of the pie in our testimony about who this God really is and what he is like. God considers the payment Jesus made as though you made it. So when we stand before the throne of God, we got nothing to be embarrassed about. All our sins have already been paid for. When explaining to someone what it takes to get a close personal relationship with the only higher power there is, well, just state the truth. There's no other way to avoid making the payment for sin ourselves. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was a television game show that ran for 11 seasons. You probably can still catch some reruns on Nickelodeon somewhere along the line. But there are lots of people who got a kick out of that show, especially watching as contestants tried to answer different questions and you're sitting at home trying to guess the answers along with them. But the real exciting part was near the end when they were struggling for an answer and they would finally come up with what they thought would be it and say, that's my final answer. Now you're on the edge of the couch, you're on the edge of your recliner and you're really excited because you know they are not certain and so are you. And the excitement comes in the uncertainty. Life is not a game show. Neither is the afterlife. And I don't know about you, but I don't even want a hint of uncertainty when I stand before God and he asks me, why should I let you in? Because I will not be able to pull an audience of angels and I will not be able to call a friend. And God wants my final answer. I want to know for sure. And I bet you do too. That's what led Peter and John to revel in the relief offered by the Redeemer. Peter proclaimed to the religious leaders who had hauled them and others in, in on the carpet and said, It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mankind by which we are saved. The resurrection is God's stamp of approval that what Jesus did is true. Sins indeed have been paid for. Here's the miracle. It's the third piece of the pie in our testimony as to who this true God really is and what he has done. Jesus said, because I live, you also will live. So when we stand before God and his throne on the last day, we got nothing to be embarrassed about. And when you're explaining to someone what it takes to get a close connection with the only higher power there is, well, simply state the truth. There's no other way to get certainty. As I mentioned earlier, the next worship service will have the right of confirmation for our young people who were instructed in the truths of God's Word, and they'll publicly state their agreement with the truths of Scripture. You've got to know their parents are also quite excited for that them. But some of you know what I'm talking about. Those years zip by in a flash. And then those young people 
will be faced with situations like the coexist bumper sticker and others and then wrestle with whether to respond with the truth right then or not. Do you think any of those young people eventually in those situations will be a little nervous about stating Jesus is the only way to heaven? Have you ever had that feeling? In case you have, I want you to know and I want all of our young and youth confirmands to know that you're in good company. Peter and John, disciples of Jesus, were in the same boat. They were also nervous about being witnesses for Jesus, but they became bold confessors of the truth. You might think, well, that's easy for them. They were disciples of Jesus, but keep in mind, they often demonstrated the habit of being scared bunny rabbits and confused cornballs. And yet, even though they were regular Joes, even though they had no specific big time knowledge or studying or whatever except time with Jesus, they became bold confessors that Jesus is the only way. And this Bible account tells us why. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. You might think, well, I could do that too if I were filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you today that you have been and you are. At your baptism, the Holy Spirit filled you with his power and he promises to empower and embolden you to be witnesses for Jesus. You've got nothing to be embarrassed about as long as you are kind and gentle and respectful and calm. You've got nothing to be embarrassed about because you have the truth that everybody needs. There is no other way. Jesus lived. Jesus died. And Jesus rose again. Hold that in your hearts and have that on your lips every day until Jesus calls you home. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace, to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, and to find our schedule of special worship services, please visit www.gracedowntown.org today. And we'd love to have you join us for worship sometime soon. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.